Hello, you guys. Welcome back to the Book Truck Chronicles. This is Brandy here, and I just could not be more pleased that you are going to join me today. You know how sometimes you go through a season, especially after Christmas, where there's all that build up, there's Christmas songs everywhere, there's this conspiracy of happiness and joy that's just filling all the stores and the radio stations, and everybody's giving you cookies and then there's the buy the right gift for the right person kind of mentality and we're just so consumed with that and as much as it is supposed to be a simple beautiful harmonious graceful season where we are humbly aware that it's not all about us somehow we do make it all about us and the chaos that we gleefully jump into is a little bit overwhelming sometimes so as much as there's that big lead up to christmas and then oh christmas happens and you realize the presents are open the food is eaten and now what are you gonna do you have a mess you have all this anti-chaos that you're living through which is really just let's call it the cleanup chaos because you know that's what's coming next all the wrapping paper the pine needles on the floor the wrappings from everything it is a whole different kind of chaos and it can be very very hard to sit back and settle your heart on what's important who you are how grateful you are for the people and the things in your life because we're so busy playing with all of our shiny new happy things that we forget, even without that, we are the most blessed, the most fortunate people anywhere. If you are listening to this, you have access to more gifts, more privilege, more opportunity than anybody else in history. There is nothing that we have to complain about, nothing that we have to get upset about. Are we going to disagree with people next to us that we love? Heck yeah. And is that a problem? No, it's not because we are not all the same. We are entitled to have different opinions, different feelings, love different things and still support each other at the table. I don't believe that we all have to think the same, believe the same, look the same. Oh gosh, I sure as heck don't want to meet somebody just like me everywhere. I'd get so sick of me, I'd probably lose my mind. I love the diversity and the creativity of people around me who think differently, who feel differently, who I can learn from and who sharpen me to be a better, better Brandy than I was before. So this conversation today will hopefully encourage you to do all of those things. Carrie Frame is a soulful empowerment coach. She speaks about self-sabotage, bringing out the best version of yourself, helping people to talk positively about their life instead of listening to the lies that they so quickly believe. She is a speaker. She is a mom. She's a reader. She's a wife. She's, oh, she's so many amazing things. She's also my little sister and I love her. So Today, you're going to hear why she's so amazing, why I'm so proud of her, and I have no doubt that you will hear her voice in your ears and you will think, oh, that girl is just lovely. And she truly, truly is. She's also an emotional firecracker who will set your life on fire. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Carrie Frame. Carrie, I'm so glad you're here today. I am so glad to be here with you, Brandy. So now you and I go back quite a long way. <laughs> Is there any way to go back farther? 
<laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but for all of those people who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and all of that stuff? Okay, sure. Um, so I'm Carrie Frame. I am the very lucky sister of Brandy Frame. Brandy Moore Porgo, sorry, she's no. Brandy Frame. <laughs> and um, and when I'm not being her little sister, I am um, a mother of two daughters. I am a certified life coach, um, and I am also a um, a book editor, especially for new authors who are struggling to have courage and clarity in their message. Um, and I am a budding writer myself. So I've um, got lots of hats and, uh, and in between all those things, I guess probably why Brandy has me here is because I am an avid reader. There's always a pile of books um, somewhere within arm's reach of me. So um, I love Brandy and Daisy, the book truck and everything that she does. So I'm so happy to be here. Okay, so I'm going to take that whole little segment you did as like my little promo commercial. And I'm just going to keep replaying it all the time. Because that, that was so beautifully said. Thank you so much. For okay, good. And I, I did not pay her to do that for y'all, just so you know. There was no big sister arm twisting or whatever. This is just, this is Carrie being Carrie. Mm -hmm. So, you, yeah, you're right. You do wear a lot of hats. You have done an incredible amount in your young life, really. Yeah. You've accomplished so much. So tell me a little bit more about how you are um, an editor and a writer. Let's ex can you expand on that? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm as you know, I've been a writer like most of my most of my reading life. Really, you and I have always been journal keepers and um, mm -hmm. story makers, and so and that continued all the way through. Um, university and it was just always kind of running I, I say now it was running in the closet really because <laughs> I've, I've written for so long but I've never until recently I've never really shared it um, beyond my own eyeballs so um, <laughs> but you know being um, getting the gig of being an editor for new writers I, I made a pact with myself that if I was going to help um, other people with their message and with their writing and getting published, I wouldn't take that job unless I worked equally as much on my own writing and having courage um, to put it out there and so on. So, so that's that's what I've been doing. Um, that's kind of how the the editing and the writing have come together. So, um, yeah. So it's sort of an equal equal on both sides. One I get paid for, and 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 one I I don't yet. But the goal the goal <laughs> is there. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's such a dream for so many really prolific readers mm -hmm. is to one day put their own imagination or their own thoughts and creativity on paper and have somebody else open up their words and take them in and read them. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's so true. It is. It's a really it's a common a common dream, but actually I've I've met a lot of people who love reading and who are absolutely fine with staying readers. <laughs> like they're just oh, like good. Oh yeah, I I I think because I because of being affiliated with the publishing industry, you know, I'm always like, well, you know, have you ever thought? And they're like, oh, yeah, I 
thought about it and absolutely no, that's not for me. I'm like, okay, good. (laughs) So it's really good to know that. But you're right. I mean, I think probably the majority of avid readers have something in them that wants to be shared. (laughs) So what, when you were younger and you were reading a lot, do you have any books that stood out to you as a young Carrie that had a lasting impact on you? Oh yeah. Um, gosh, I think you and I, we've always been readers that read like a lot, right? Like multiple Mm -hmm. books at a time and, um, and just a book on the go all the time, but definitely one that stands out for me that, that changed my worldview was Roots by Alex Haley. I don't know how I came upon it because it's, it's a big book, right? And I think I was like, yeah. Oh, I was a preteen for sure. And uh, maybe it was the size of the book that first drew me in or something. But um, but I just remember really, ha- it blew my mind that that this really happened to people and that it's a part of our history and that there's, there's a responsibility um, to, to be aware that this is part of all of our history and to to take that responsibility seriously. And, and plus the book was just so richly written, you know, there's just, there's so much detail about what it's, what it might've been like to be a slave Mm -hmm. and to, and to walk those shoes or a lack of shoes. Um, uh, You know, the characters were amazing. The the plot was amazing. Like it just, it had everything um, that a good book really should have plus the the meaningful historical aspect that um yeah it it turned me into an activist I guess um even at a very young age so that's definitely one that that affected me greatly that's a huge compliment for a book yeah yeah to to be accessible to young people but still be so meaningful that's definitely yeah I, I I should uh it'll be interesting to introduce that one to my daughter someday. <laughs> Saving yeah. picture. She'd probably be ready to read it right now, but I'm not sure I'm ready for her to read it. <laughs> yeah, it's a big meaty book that she would probably love to get her hands on. Yeah. You know a funny thing about that too is you said you were a preteen, right? When you read that? Yes. So I'm thinking now about so many parents who come into the book track or grandparents looking for uh, grandkids. And so many people, when they're looking to get books for younger readers, they typically will stick to that child's age category and they won't stray from it. Uh And one thing I'm always trying to do is say not to limit that child because sometimes the best books are outside that range. Yeah. Not to say that they have to read all the, you know, inappropriate things. There certainly is stuff you might want to screen them from if that's your preference. But I think there's such richness to those mature stories that offer kids a perspective that sometimes they're guarded from. I totally agree with you, Brandy. I think that's so awesome that you open people's minds like that because, um, yeah, it's so true. Like, unfortunately for for any industry where they decide that they know what their audience needs and then it becomes Mm -hmm. kind of um kind of prescribed you know what messages are there for them what methods of giving that message and and yeah there is so much richness out there that you never know what a kid 
would be inspired by. I, I, you probably remember I read like everything by Stephen King that I could get my hands on from about the age of ten, and definitely <laughs> some some material in there that you know the mother in me now is like, oh my god, that should have been screened from from my eyes, but. But there was so much richness in there and quality of writing and storytelling and character building that I wasn't finding in um, young adult, at the time, what was young adult fiction. There, Yeah, there really wasn't a whole lot, was there, for options? Mm, it didn't seem like it. Now, here's a curious question. You loved Stephen King when you were 10 and onward. Yeah. If your daughters were 10 and onward and said, I want to read Cujo and I want to read It, mm -hmm. would you encourage them? I would let them. I would let them try. Yes. I think I'd, I'd go back through a book and I'd, I kind of review it myself just to make sure there's nothing like, um, you know, X-rated or um, anything like that in there. But um, I would I would allow them to try and then I would let them know that I'm there to talk to them about it because um <laughs> you know the I definitely want them to feel the freedom of being able to choose but but also I don't know about you but I remember as a kid there was times especially because I liked um Stephen King and that type of of writing there was times that I kind of I read it and then I wished that I hadn't <laughs> No, <laughs> and sure, but it's kind of like when you're watching a movie in a in a book. Sometimes it's the same thing where you're just you're in it and you're just flowing with it, and all of a sudden it's going somewhere that you don't really want to go, but you can't seem to stop. Mm -hmm. um, so to just kind of, if they want to dive into books that can get really intense like that, to just talk to them about how like sometimes it's worth a little pause. <laughs> And if that's yeah. the moment when we need to talk about it or, or you want me to look ahead and, and, you know, say, okay, well, you can just skip this one page and then you're good or whatever. But um, just to know, let them know they, they do have a, a choice about it, but I, I wouldn't say no outright. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, for eight years old, yeah, there's things I would say, but knowing what Sadie, my oldest daughter, what she has already read, um, and, you know, and sort of basing it on that, I would, uh, I would be fairly open, I'd say, because mm -hmm. luckily I know they, she would come to me and talk to me about it. So those are the, those are what I call talking points. So when parents come in and they have questions, I say, well, if you pre-screen it, then you make note of the talking points so that you can have a different kind of conversation. Mm. Because one of the great things about books for kids and I don't mean kids' books, but books that kids read, is that it can open up so many questions and perspectives on the world, things that they might not normally hear in their young conversations or in their academic life, because it is very limited to the kind of young person we think you are already. And that's what things are created for. But I did the same. I remember being in grade seven, and we had our reading time and I was reading The Thorn Birds. Yeah. And my teacher came over and said, does your mom know you're reading this? I said, no, she doesn't. And the next week I came in with Cujo. And she said, do we have to have a conversation about the kind of books you're reading? And I said, like a book report? And she left me alone. <laughs> and and I, I remember Cujo, there were parts of it too that were too grown up for me. But I wasn't exactly sure why. Because mm -hmm. some of those things just went over my head. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. That's so true. That's hilarious. <laughs> I know. It's weird what sticks in your memory, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what would what would you say if you could go back and read a favorite book of yours? What would be one that you wish you could read again for the very first time? Oh gosh. Do you mean one from my youth or just any book? Any book. Any book. Oh, oh that's easier. Okay. Because <laughs> I must be getting old. My memory of like all the books I read as a kid, it's it's whittling <laughs> down. But um, of all the books, you know, the one that jumps out first for me is um, Dear Sugar by Cheryl Strayed. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's such a beautiful book because every chapter is um, somebody who's written into the Dear Sugar advice column and then it's Cheryl Strayed's um, response and and I remember when I first read it every chapter was such a surprise like <laughs> the way because she's uh, if you've read it or you've listened to um, the Dear Sugars podcast or anything they, they don't give advice like you know you'd think it's not straightforward a lot of times it's filtered through her own experience and um, and what she's reading between the lines from, from the person. And, um, and so it was so surprising. Every chapter was so rich. And I, I wish I could read that one again for the first time, because now I, I've read through it. Obviously, it's so it's such a great book, but the, the surprise is gone. You know, I, I know, <laughs> I know what's great about every, every chapter now. So sometimes I'll just go to reread a chapter that I know is great. But yeah, that that element of like, kapow! Every chapter is just a new kapow. That's that's gone. <laughs> totally nice to find one yeah. of those again. Okay, well, I will put I will put a link to that book in the podcast in the show notes too. Um, with any other book that we talk about today, I'll make sure that there are links so people can go and find those. Because the nice thing about you were saying that you and I both have read so many books yeah. and we were avid readers. We didn't always read the same books. Actually, we, I was, yeah, when we were kids, it was very different. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which is kind of fun because yeah. now as adults looking back, I have read a whole bunch of Stephen King and I have really admired his storytelling skill and, and whatnot. But I think when I was younger, I was a little bit more... I don't know, romantically animal inclined, yeah. deep stories about, you know, things that you were not. And I just love the fact that that diversity means I can learn from you mm -hmm. and I can add those books to my TBR and other people can hear and go, oh, cool. Right. This is something I never thought of. Yeah. You did that for me with, um, I remember VC Andrews, you introduced me to, <laughs> to that. And it was just like, <laughs> oh, I mean, they're like, you know, they're they're absolute page turners. You cannot, you cannot not true. read the whole book and then the next one and, and then probably the next one. Um, yeah. And, but I would not have uh, read it. I don't think if you, if you weren't reading it and just being like, Oh my gosh. Oh no. And I hear you like <laughs> exclaiming as you're reading. And then I was like, okay, I, I would sneak little peeks of the pages. And then when you're finally done with it, I was like, ah, now I can read it. <laughs> yeah that that flowers in the attic series i've probably read that a few times in my life and each time i know what's happening i know the story i've seen the terrible movies but <laughs> oh, you've seen the it, movies yeah because you know yeah i did <laughs> i just totally did because i want to see how they interpret it yeah. and of course they do it badly so i don't want to go back to the books <laughs> and see what was so great about it and it's a very disturbing and compelling story all at the same time 
That's so true. And I, there again, I don't know if that's appropriate for somebody young, but I was reading them with all my friends. We were sharing them, oh, talking about them all the time. Yeah, yeah it was, that's true. That was a whole, like, that was a good series. <laughs> and what book do you have on your nightstand right now? Oh, um, so I'm reading Memory Wall by Anthony Dewar. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, then I just reread um, Brokeback Mountain by Annie Proulx. Okay, yeah. Um, it's so amazing. Like sometimes I just go back to different books that I've read now as a kind of to read them as a writer and just mm-hmm. see like how the heck did they do it? What's the mastery that I I was, you know, while reading it that I was just absorbing and receiving the mastery and now I want to like pick it apart and find out like, but how? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. oh, that's on my night table. Uh, a book by Miriam Toes. Oh, Woman Talk. I think. Oh, that's a new one, isn't it? Yeah. So those are- That's some pretty heavy material there. <laughs> that's how I roll, Brand. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I know it, sis. Don't I know it. <laughs> I haven't actually read something really light for a while. I, I get hungry for it sometimes, but maybe you have a recommendation for me. Well, when I need something that is kind of like a palate cleanser or what I call a sorbet book, um, <laughs> I usually go back to a mid-grade novel. I go back to like a 9 to 12 age book um because that always reminds me of the beauty of creative writing short bursts of of imaginative thought and action and and mm. you know where everything is fresh and new mm-hmm. whereas sometimes the adults they get so into here's three pages talking about how that leaf fell from that tree you know <laughs> okay that that might be great but I think that the pace mm. of a mid-grade novel can often kind of reset me and get me right back on track interesting Cool. I'm gonna mm-hmm. try. I've, I've definitely got a bunch of those roaming around my house. So <laughs> <laughs> you do, you do, and maybe pick one that the girls are not reading. Mm. So because you know how sometimes when girls read something, they want to tell you all about everything, and then she said this, and then she did yeah. this, and so you've really kind of got the audio version of that book already. And maybe something they have that they haven't read yet, and they will think you are the coolest mom on the planet because you read that book on your own. Yeah, good point. I'll have a look at the shelves okay. and see what uh, what jumps out. And you could probably blast through one of those in like an evening. You're right. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. Now that you are an editor and you're looking at words differently as you consider the behind the scenes process, how has your reading life changed in like, let's say the past 10 years? Hmm. Oh, interesting question. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's the editing, but also the writing definitely makes me read read differently like I just have to turn off my writer or editor brain and just receive the art you know mm-hmm. and and sometimes I kind of have to consciously do that because otherwise you know my writer brain is like going oh that worked really well oh I have to think remember that and then or my my editor brain is saying Oh, it's interesting that they made that choice. I, I might have suggested a different choice or, you know, <laughs> and it kind of gets like all meta and, and not really, I'm not really in the book. So then I have sometimes have to just consciously turn it off and just receive the book as it is and, and accept everything about it for 
all the artistry and the craft that's been put into it and 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 take it that way and and I know now when I open a book and when I don't even have to make that choice because the book just compels me to dive in so mm-hmm. that's when I know whoa this is like this is a, a good book and I'll get to the end of a chapter or something and just go like holy man how did they do that you know like <laughs> that's that's when it's a a real gem of a book so I guess now, that's changed how I read that's that's actually pretty cool because that's kind of the mechanics of it and you're disciplining yourself in the process which is that's a very mature thing where some of us just dive in and just uh, take whatever the book gives us I really love how you look at that critically and thoughtfully and then let yourself just sort of submit to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, that's inspired. What advice would you give a reader listening right now who has a dream of becoming an author? Oh, um, well, the first thing is to um, let go of all the inner limits that tell you that you can't do it. Because they're very likely as untrue as as anything. Like anything that says, oh, I don't have a good enough story. Or I've never written anything before. Or um, I don't have any time. You know, there's so many of those things. There is like always a way. And there's always a story. I mean, we can't exist without having a story. But the one thing I'd say that is absolutely true is... You have to write to be a writer. It's kind of like um, my husband, Darren's a, a rock climber. And he's like, you know, people go to the gym and they run on the treadmill and they talk about climbing. But really, the only way to be a climber is to climb. <laughs> and it's very much the same, I think, with writing is um, putting the time in. And I wasn't I was about to say put the pen to paper. But really, um, in this day and age, you can put pen to paper, you can put fingers to keyboard, you can press record on your voice memo um, device on your phone. Like there's so many ways to begin to write. Um, So open your mind up to the possibilities, basically, rather than listening to all the limits. That's what I would say to people. That is really good advice and exactly what I would have expected from you because that is personal, it's relatable, it's actionable. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So Carrie, for all the people who are now hearing your voice and thinking, oh, I want to hear more from this person. She She is like a bomb to my soul. Where can people find you? Oh, yes. Um, well, uh, my website, carryframe.com, has a blog, which I'm trying to be more active on. Um, that's part of my challenge to get my writing more visible. So um, they can go there. Um, my life coaching Facebook page has a lot of um, writing and videos on it as well, which is Carrie underscore empowered wellness coach. Powered Wellness Coaching, I think. <laughs> I should know that. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and it's the same, the same handle on Instagram. So um, those would be the best places to go. I think that's probably the best. And, you know, you can, through any of those avenues, people can reach out to me as well. Perfect. Well, I will put a link to all of those contact uh, options in the show notes as well. So people can just go from here to talking to you and reading more about your stuff right away because they're going to want more of you. I can just tell. 
You know it. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> Thank you, Brandwell. <laughs> I feel exactly the same uh, about you. Everything you're doing, everything you're sharing, it's people are going to want to want to connect to you. You know what? Um, one of the questions I was hoping you were going to ask was like, um, you know, who who inspired me to be uh, a reader? And my first answer to that would be that you. You inspired me to be a reader because as my big sister, who always had so many books on the go and just was so enthralled by them, I was just like, well, what is up with that? I guess I better find out and try to keep up with her and put my nose in a book and uh, <laughs> and see what's in there. And, you know, some of my my favorite memories, everyday memories of our childhood are like sitting around together reading or or sitting in one of our sheet tents in our in our room, you know, oh, reading and eating sunflower seeds and drinking sweet milky tea, and, <laughs> and just like literally an entire day spent that way, you know. And and books were always a part of it. That's true, isn't it? Yeah, oh. and it's it's funny now when you look back. That was such a simple, easy, blissful way for us to be together, and yet do the same thing. But our brains were in two different places, right? Yeah, and yeah, I well, I was just inspired by you, so I adore you. <laughs> I adore you, and I wasn't going to cry today, oh. but <laughs> you pulled out the tents and the sunflower seeds, and what's a girl to do? <laughs> Well, I'm glad I had a chance to get that in there because it's it's absolutely true, you know. It's um and I see it with my daughters too that Sadie, the older one is a reader like, you know, from the get-go and Fiona is just now digging in and finding out what's there for her. And I know it's big, partly because of her big sister, just like it was for me. Right? Everybody who reads, whether it's families or friends yeah. who share that and inspire each other, each person who does that takes something brand new from it. And the potential that they have with what they're learning and being inspired by yeah. is entirely their own. Yeah. So Carrie, thank you so much for having this time with me and for inspiring everybody who heard you today. Um, all the books that we mentioned will be in the show notes, links to all of that. Um, do you have any final words before we sign off? No, I just, I'm just so glad that I was here and I can't wait for more of your podcasts. <laughs> thank you. And I adore you. Can't wait to talk to you again soon. Me too. Bye, Brand. Oh, so gosh, I just love talking to Carrie. I'm, I'm so glad that she was able to be here and that we could share this with you. Did you just fall in love with her voice and the way she talked about things? Oh, I, I just oh, I love her so much. So now we move on to the business bar. For this episode of the business bar, we're going to be talking about the life cycle of a daisy chain book. Many people have asked me, how do you get the books? Where do you store the books? What do you do with the books? So today I'm going to answer the critical part of a bookseller's life. So it's not something to be overlooked and it's not something that's just so simple. I'm just going to give you a little brief overview of the life cycle of a daisy chain book. So first of all, somebody will contact me through email, phone call, DMs, whatever it is. And they say that they have books that they want to share with me because Serge or Marie Kondo or whatever it is they're doing. And they don't want to throw out their books 
They also don't want to waste time doing Facebook swaps or whatever because having strangers come to your house can get a little bit creepy and often they don't show or they want to dicker with the price or they only want one book out of a set. So now you're having to deal with six people so you can sell 10 books and it just gets too frustrating. So I hear quite a lot that people just can't be bothered with that so they can get just a couple of bucks for a book and they would much rather share them with me. So thank you. So what I will then do is I will drive around to all the communities around Edmonton and I will pick up their books. I will take them home and I will store them. And then one arm load at a time, I will take books to my desk and I will prep them. Prepping a book means I will de-sticker them. I will clean them. I will count all the pages, make sure that everything is there. I'll make sure there's been no jam fingers reading that book, um, which means pages are not stuck together. I will take out whatever it is you are using for bookmarks inside. Now you know what you use for bookmarks. So let me see. I've had bus tickets, sonograms, emails, sketches that kids have done of their parents, um, receipts. Receipts are super common. Um, bookmarks from other bookstores you're forgiven. And all sorts of things. There's so many different things. Ribbons and photographs and I've got quite a collection of things that I found in books. So I take all of that. Oh and did I mention I de-sticker them? Yeah let me talk about that for one hot minute here. So I'm a fan of cover art. I think cover art is beautiful and Many professionals have gone to school to learn graphic design and they're artistic and they, their illustrations are beautiful, the fonts are fantastic, the colors are carefully chosen, and some stores love to put big stickers on them and cover up the beautiful art. Sometimes I have even taken more than one big sticker off a cover. This is obscene. No, no, no. This should not happen. That cover art should stand. So I will scratch off and peel off and take off all those stickers on the covers. So you do not have to have them. Enjoy your cover art. You're welcome. So then once I've cleaned them up and I've gotten them all ready, I will either take a photo or source a photo. I will get a synopsis and put that into my database. So then I will create a price and I will start with whatever the sticker price is in the back of a book. I will take half off and then I will often go down from there. That will depend on the quality of the book, the popularity of the book, how many copies I have, that kind of a thing. Uh, then I will add all of these to my online database so that you can look them up and source your books online. Then I will create labels for them. I will put labels in the backs of the book so I can scan those books in the truck. This means that they are now stored in my inventory, whether it is uh, in my inside shelves or my outside shelves, and they are all categorized by genre, they're alphabetical, they're easy for me to find. And that means that when you send me an email and say, can I get this book? I know exactly where to go to find it. And there are books being added to that all the time. So I want to say thank you very much to everybody who has contacted me to offer their books to Daisy Chain so that I can share them with other eager readers. This is fantastic. I am so grateful for that because I really could not do this without you. So I have often said I am just the mule who takes books from somebody over here who no longer wants them to somebody over here who cannot wait to get their hands on them. It is a real privilege to share reading with you based on books somebody else already enjoyed. This is how books stay alive and I'm so excited that they get to have new life with you. 
So once a book is in my truck, it has gone through this entire vetting process. Every book that I have, I anticipate I've probably touched at least seven times before you run your fingers over it and you select that book and touch it for yourself. Then once you have chosen it and you bring it to me, I scan it, you pay for it, and then you get to take it home and start a whole new adventure with that book. It's kind of like a little love story of you and that book finding each other and off you go. And I'm just the Cupid who makes it happen. It is a fantastic thing. I love the recycling aspect of it. I love the sharing of stories because let's be honest, the story itself has not changed. I might clean it up and try and remove any evidence of previous readers so that you feel as if it's fresh for you. But let's be honest, a book that has had some experience before, that's pretty cool. So many of you even love books that have writing in them or little notes. Um, that's pretty fun. I did find a copy of Pride and Prejudice that was fully annotated. And when I was doing an English literature course and I had to do Pride and Prejudice, this book was gold. It was just gold. I was so grateful to the person who annotated it so nicely. So this is an overview of the life cycle of a daisy chain book. I'm sure that many other bookstores have a very similar process and it is a really key piece of it. So thank you for all your questions about it. Thank you for all of your donations to Daisy Chain and keep them coming because we've got more eager readers that we are going to visit this year that did not see the book truck last year and they cannot wait to get their hands on your great taste in reading. This chapter of the Book Truck Chronicles is brought to you by Discovering a Great Book Series Long After It's Been Completed So You Don't Have to Wait for the Next Book to Come Out. You're a genius. I know that the world gets really busy and there's so many things craving your attention, so it really means the world to me that you would spend time tuning into me, putting me into your earbuds or your speakers, and joining me on this book truck journey. So no matter what your business is, shine a light of humor, kindness, and compassion in everything you do. Be relevant, be generous, be unforgettable. Until next time, everyone, happy reading.